Whether you're working part-time or full-time, or you're just preparing to enter the workforce, gender discrimination is a topic that you should be mindful of. But today, we want to dig in a little bit deeper than just regulations and laws, and talk about our experiences and just reflect on the issue in general. Welcome back to another episode of Hanging in the Imbalance. I am your co-host MJ, and I'm Samantha. On today's episode, gender discrimination at workplace. Hello, everyone. I'm Samantha. I'm year four student studying accounting and finance. I had an internship jobs in both government office and also private companies, but so far I haven't experienced such an issue of gender inequality in the workplace. And how about you, MJ? Have you experienced that before? Yeah, so just like you, I'm a year four student here at the University of Hong Kong. I'm majoring in molecular biology and biotechnology, and well, quote unquote, I'm a woman in science. With my experiences in the workforce so far, I have worked in startups. I worked for the university for some researchers, and I have also worked in companies in non-biotech related fields. And I think.、Um, Generally, my experience have been very positive, but I do have a little few things that I can talk about. But I think、um, maybe we should comment a little bit about our backgrounds as well. So I'm Iranian and I'm Muslim, and I think that sometimes maybe being a Middle Eastern woman in science, so maybe that's something that I thought I have to fight for. Like this is my going against the stereotypes. But generally, I think I haven't had that experience yet. Like people aren't like, "Oh my God, you're a woman in science!" Oh my God, you are Middle Eastern woman in science. You're Muslim, but you're like a scientist. So I haven't had that experience yet. How about you? Because I know you're doing business and accounting. So have you ever felt out of space being a Hong Kong person? I haven't experienced that before. But it's really good to hear that being a science student and STEM student, you're really proud of yourself and getting recognition、mm-hmm. from other people.、Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to hear that we're living in such a diverse place, no matter which race you are, which region you are from. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I, I feel like、uh, one of the best parts about Hong Kong is that it's so diverse, and so that's why I feel like. And also, it it has something to do with our faculty as well. Like when I came in, I was so surprised that I think I have the equal number of female and male professors. So I think that was something that I was really surprised about. So before coming into science, I think I did think that oh, like I actually never knew there's a stereotype that women aren't in STEM. Like I just grew up not knowing about it until like I was almost graduating high school. So then coming into uni, I was kind of mindful about that. But when I came in, I was like, oh, in my experience, it doesn't exist. Thankfully. Girls, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of stupid to say it, but like, girls are better in arts and history. Boys are better in in like science and engineering. But I mean, I from my experience, I didn't feel that way.、Yeah. I felt very welcomed. This is an old thinking. When I was doing research for this episode, I decided to do some reflection on my own experiences. Like, have I ever had a chance, or like a case that I feel like, oh, maybe I was. Gender discriminated against, and I had to think really, really hard. And I came across this one instance that I felt like something like that happened. But not to say that it was the employer necessarily, but I felt like, oh, if I were a guy, maybe I could have gotten this opportunity. 
So the story goes like this: I was applying for a part-time lab technician position, and it was at a factory. And basically, what you had to do is do some quality tests on these products. And so I was really excited. I thought it's good, like you know, I, I want to do a part-time work. And I was still in school. I was like year three, and I thought it was a perfect opportunity. And so I applied for it, and I went for the interview. And the sketchy thing about this thing is that it was a factory, right? But it was so far away from the city. It was、um, near. Shenzhen, okay, <laughs> like it was about an hour and like forty-five minutes, or like almost two hours away from my home. And when I pulled up, it was kind of like the village side, so I felt like I could look over and I'll see Shenzhen. Like that's how close it was. So for me, it was pretty far, but it was also like a very、um, deserted area, so there weren't many people around. I had to take like. Uh, if I were to go, I had to take like a minibus, and they would drop you off somewhere. There's really no one around. It's like an industrial area, and so I went into the factory, and I had an interview with the guy, and like he showed me around. Everything's fine. Like the job is easy enough, etc., etc. And、um, right there and then, I was like, okay, this is. I don't think I can do this. It's too far. The pay isn't good. It's kind of sketchy. Like, what if I'm coming here early, early in the morning? There's already no one around, and like when I'm leaving late at night, or, or like even leaving at six, you know, that's something like as girls we are concerned about, right? This is a deserted area. Like, am I safe here? Then I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do this job. Regardless, and then I came home, and the guy also messaged me. He was like, "I don't think this is a suitable position for you." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure, totally understand." But when I was reflecting back on this, I was thinking, if I were a guy, would I still have the same worries I have as a girl, like worrying about my safety, worrying about you know,、um, going to like somewhere so far where there's no one? So yeah, I, this isn't necessarily a case of gender discrimination, but I think it's one instance that I was like. If I were a guy, I don't think I would have the same concerns. Honestly speaking, it's so hard to put yourself into the position of another, especially for different genders. But if it is one of the job requirement that you have to travel to that far away place、mm-hmm. to have your research job, then you have to do so, no matter you are a male or a female.、Mm-hmm. If we think about it from this point, it seems not constitute as a gender discrimination,、mm-hmm. but. From a male side, a girl having to travel far away from、mm-hmm. another place to a place with few people and even unfamiliar, this gives me a sense of gender inequality.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think it's gender discrimination, and it's like I, I think the reason the employee didn't、um, give me the job is not is nothing to do with my gender. I think it was more because like he didn't see me fit for the position, like to come back, travel such a long time, etc. But I feel like it is a case of gender inequality because. That's how I felt. Like I'm like I feel like I'm qualified, but because my position as a woman, I feel like I don't feel comfortable to take this. You know? Have you spoke out? No, no. It's definitely a personal thing. Like I'm sure、mm-hmm. there are other girls. They wouldn't feel the same. They'll be like, oh, you know, this is fine for me. I don't feel threatened in this place. But yeah, I feel like that was my little tiny gender inequality moment. That I'm like,、mm-hmm. damn it. If I was a guy, if I were a boy, you know, yeah, something like that.、You. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was my experience, and I think now、um, we want to test you and test ourselves a little bit. See how familiar are we with gender discrimination cases at the workplace. So right now, Samantha is going to read us some of the cases that she found that are real in this world that really happened, and I'm going to be blind reacting to it. And so are you. So think about how you would have reacted in this situation, and just let us know how you feel. MJ, I've heard of a case in Hong Kong. 
In November 2021, a woman claimed she was sexually harassed several times at work by her former male colleague. The harasser stroked her back with his hands and even stared at her chest as her clothes got wet from the rain.、Mm. And if it were you, what would you do in this situation? So the guy looked at her inappropriately, made her uncomfortable, and oh, and he also physically like touched her back and also stared at her chest、mm-hmm. when the clothes got wet. Did this happen like several times, or、yes. was it just when it was raining? Several times. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, firstly, even if it was just one time, it's totally inappropriate. I feel like, feel like with my personality, I would snap back at him. I'd be like, "What are you looking at?" You know, or something like that. Yes, you would definitely spoke out. Yeah, right away. But also depends who it is. Like if it's just a colleague on the same level, I would snap back, right? But if it's my supervisor, I feel like, oh wait, I have to think about it. If it's a supervisor or someone like my boss, like, oh, hmm. I think I would do the same way as you. I would spoke out and say no,、mm-hmm. and of course verbally warm him.、Mm-hmm. If the weather forecasts that it might rain, I would probably take additional piece of clothing to、mm-hmm. change to、mm-hmm. avoid such opportunities for harassers. And if the harassers' behavior continued, I would speak to my supervisor or my boss. But it would be the case that the same level employees doing the thing to me. But you know what's the、um, part that's tricky about this is that. In a lot of these cases, it's very ambiguous. Like, you don't know. First time it happens, you're like, "Is he really looking at me? Like, or am I just okay? I'm making this up, okay? Like, you know." And then the second time, you're like, "Oh no!" Y- you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's like it's easy to say that we would take these actions, but I'm thinking like honestly, if it's like supervisor, would I be comfortable to be like, <laughs> "Hey, you know?" So yes, it- it's a tricky situation. What did she do? Later on, Equal Opportunities Commission on behalf of this woman C. Filed a claim in the district court under the Sex Discrimination Ordinance, Chapter 480 of Laws of Hong Kong. Therefore, if we cannot address this problem of such gender discriminatory harassment by ourselves, we may consider seeking help from the Equal Opportunity Commission. Filing a legal aid complaint. So she took this issue.、Um, she filed a complaint in Equal Opportunity Commission. Yes. And they help her to pursue it.、Mm. Do you have any information on what was the Outcome, like what happened after? Did they did they announce what did the court say? No, so they didn't have any information on that. But they only said that she filed it, right? Yes. Hmm. My biggest opinion on this is that it seems like on the spectrum of like sexual harassments or like gender discrimination in workplace, I feel like the spectrum of this is quite low, right? So if something, an issue that is seemingly quote unquote seemingly not. A great, great issue can't be resolved within the company that you have to take it out to Equal Opportunity Commission. Imagine the cases that are so severe. Then how are you supposed to deal with those? Like, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of like making me question, like how to deal with that. So this issue is complex in the sense that everyone is saying what they're looking at, they feel, but no one is recording this moment, and、mm-hmm. no one gives evidence to what is actually happening. And what constitutes a sexual harassment? And no one even knows. That guy stares at the woman.、Mm-hmm. Is he really staring at her chest? The issue can hardly find a balance between who to support. How can we identify a harasser or not? 
the whole complaint as undergoing a hard situation. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. So maybe he could argue that I wasn't looking at you. I was just looking at your direction. Like, what do you have to say for yourself? How are you accusing me of like sexually harassing you? I was just looking in your direction. And I think maybe situations like this will kind of discourage girls to come out and like fight for what they think is right. And so that's why I think it's important we bring up this Uh, point that there are some grounds for when you think you're being genderly discriminated. So when we were doing research, we found that some of the examples that are offered by this uh, workplace equality, equalrights.org, and they're an advocate for equal rights at the workplace. And one of the examples they said is that being subject to unwelcomed sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, or other verbal or physical harassments of a sexual nature. But they also mentioned that everything that makes you feel uncomfortable is valid for you to report. So it's, although, yeah, like maybe the guy wasn't like doing it with that intention, but it made you feel uncomfortable regardless. You feel that you're being gender discriminated against, and then there you have a case. You don't have to be thinking like, oh, but what is he going to say? It's about you. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like something was done that wasn't right. I can tell the intention and I'm going to report it, you know, maybe not necessarily to Equal Opportunity Commission right away, but I still have grounds to fight for this. But also, if we think about it from the other perspective, what if it's a girl looking at a guy? How do you think the situation would be different? We often talk about that for men, they have a good body figure. If others look at the male, it seems not constitute a gender discrimination or gender inequality because we just feel appreciated and feel pleasure to look at a good body figure. Mm -hmm. There is like a double standard when it comes to girls and guys, like when it comes to especially things like looking at each other or whatever. It seems like the stakes for a guy to consider something gender discrimination is higher, but that's toxic, right? Like you mentioned, a lot of the times, like, especially when it comes to like K-pop idols or just good looking men. Girls are like, I don't know if you heard of this term, like eye candy or something like, you know, quote unquote eye candy. And yeah, like if a guy, the way of, if a girl would look at a guy and be like, oh, I enjoy the way his body looks. But if a guy do that and even openly admit that I like the way this girl's body looks, so I'm going to look at it, then people are going to be like, oh my God, like this isn't appropriate, right? So that's why it makes me think like if it was a guy in this case, maybe he wouldn't report it because he maybe even though if he feel uncomfortable that he's been subjected to being looked at in like in an appropriate unprofessional way but he still wouldn't maybe take it up a notch because he would be like I mean he wouldn't bring it up to the authorities because he he would feel like she's just looking you know I, I don't think there is much I can do about that the point is when someone is treated unequally or make you feel disadvantaged or discomfortable because of their gender that would be the gender inequality so If the guys think, oh, you look at me, but I still feel pleasure because I feel mm. proud of myself that my body attracts you to pay more attention on me. I don't think this is a kind of gender inequality. But mm -hmm. if the guys think, oh, I feel so bad, if you stare at me, that would be the gender inequality. Oh, and so at the end of the day, it's about your your take your personal uh, experience, your personal, personal experience. Yeah. How do you interpret the outcome? Can we hear me? Yes. Good. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so I just want to interject here for a moment because I know I came along as the engineer today and my job today is to record the two of you. And as I've been listening to this conversation from the perspective of a 54-year-old white man, yeah, who's a teacher, who deals with 
females on a regular basis. And, you know, part of my job is I have to be present with female students. Today we're here in my office and it's me and the two of you. Now, as you've been talking, as I've been thinking through this scenario, I'm, I'm trying to picture it from my perspective. Now, there's a cup, and there's a couple of things happening here. Number one, the concept that whatever makes you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right, regardless of like my intent, right? How can I? And so it's, I guess it's a question, right? Which is, how can I, as an old guy, yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe just being in the room alone with me, I could imagine would make some people feel uncomfortable. And to be honest, I do try as much as possible to keep my door open mm-hmm. whenever I've got students in the room, because I think, you know, just as a, as a general matter of practice, unless there's a good reason for me to close my office door, I don't close my office door. Or rather, if there's, unless there's a good reason to close it, it should be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, okay, sometimes a student might come in and it's happened in the past. Maybe they're crying. Maybe they're upset about something. Maybe they have something to talk about that is is personal and that's part of our job so how can i ensure that that doesn't make somebody feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. because basically what you're saying is if it does make you feel uncomfortable regardless of my intention then yeah but i think see in your case right you're very consciously and intentionally making people feel welcomed and you're very like you know very um conscious and making like an actual effort to make female or male students feel that they're not being in an uncomfortable position but if if it were to happen like but not everyone is like you right some people don't really even think about that like i think for majority of men i think they don't really think about themselves like in that position that oh how would i make this person feel or if i do something is it going to make them feel uncomfortable but let's say if someone did feel uncomfortable would you rather them say it out like right up like up front yeah yeah of course of course if Mm -hmm. somebody said to me up front this makes me uncomfortable yeah yeah then then that's fine but i can imagine how that would be really difficult but would it would you feel offended if someone is like but you definitely you're not having an intention to make them uncomfortable and then they just say something like that i wouldn't feel offended okay i would i might be a little bit alarmed Okay, and I and I okay, I have an example to share with you. I had a student mm-hmm. one time who brought an issue to my attention. Now the student was on a trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were dealing with somebody in a different culture. The person that they were dealing with from another culture. They were in the airport. There was a man, and they were taking a group picture. When they took the group picture in the airport. It was a man with a group of people touched the student on her back, Mm -hmm. kind of put his hand on her back when they took the picture. Mm -hmm. And later in the evening, the student called me to report that that had made her feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So in my opinion, that was a situation where there was no, I mean, it was a large group. It was a public space. Mm -hmm. The... I, I don't think there was any intention on the part of the individual who put For sure, his hand yeah. on her back. And that's a, that's a difficult situation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So how do we deal with, how do we, you know, manage those? Because it wasn't a situation where the 
the woman felt comfortable saying to him, hey, stop that. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, if you're there with a group of people, that would be quite difficult, right? It would be because especially if you're going on a trip together, like you don't want to start off on the wrong foot. You know, you're like, I, I understand, like it is a difficult position. So what would you do, Samantha? How would you deal if, with a situation like that? This is a difficult scenario. I don't think this is a kind of gender discrimination because this is a group activity and it's even in a public space. This depends on the person. If I face such a girl reporting to me, I would bring the girl and the male together, speak all the things out, try to clarify the situation, asking the guy, why are you doing that? Or it's just showing the cohesion within the group. Hopefully, it can help the girl to think about it deeper and mm -hmm. know that the guy is not consciously pulling the hands on mm -hmm. her back and having any mature behavior on her. I think I will handle it a bit differently. So... I wouldn't bring in a third person. I feel like I would just keep it. First of, first of all, I think I would react on the spot because I'm a Muslim, right? And I can't make like hand or like physical touch with the opposite gender. So usually if I see someone, it happens like a lot of times. Like we'll go in, they'll come in for a handshake and I'll be like, I'm so sorry, I'm Muslim. I can't shake your hand. And I, I would just resolve it right away. And so I feel like um, the group picture thing um if if it were happened to me, I'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, uh, or or or. But then if I'm not, I, if I can't use my religion as like the the reason why I can't do it, but if it's just a personal preference, I would still I feel like take the same approach. I'll be like, oh, sorry, sorry, or like or like you know, just move away for a second. I, like, what do you guys think about that? And then I think that will send a bound set a boundary that they're like, oh, she's not comfortable like being hold or something. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think that I mean, and in fact, the the situation was where. The person who had touched mm -hmm. lives in a country, in a different country. Yeah. And the the person who was touched was a Muslim woman. Oh, okay. Okay. It was, it was a young. Yeah. <laughs> and she was, and she was a, you know, she was a high school. Yeah. She was a young Muslim woman in high school. Mm hmm So that that does kind of like give context, Tie in. and yeah. it was, it, but it was entirely a situation where. And, and I believe 100% that, mm -hmm. you know, I know the person who had done the touching. Yeah. Um, I've worked with them for a long time, and, and I know that there was no ill intent. It was definitely a cultural thing. Yeah. So, but it's one of the, it was a cultural thing. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and they were on a kind of global cultural exchange. Mm -hmm. they, it was a situation where they're only kind of, the only time that they were even going to be together was that one trip. So they were kind of... They wouldn't ever have to see each other again in the future. Yeah. Well, you um, mentioned intent, right? I think the intention part is very important. Although sometimes it's not easy to tell what people's intentions are. But as girls, I think we kind of have like a sixth sense about it. Sometimes we can pick up on these like signals. If someone's having a friendly intention or if it's like more than that. It's some situation. <laughs> but, okay, so, so let me ask you this then. Do you feel like there's a potential that there's opportunities that you miss because of the danger that exists for a person like me? In other words, okay, let's say, and I do a lot of experiential learning, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm often in the field with my students. Yeah. I would be okay to ask a male student to go to lunch with me mm -hmm. in general. To be honest, I might I would be much less comfortable to ask a female student mm -hmm. to go to lunch with me. Yeah. Yeah. Does that then disadvantage you? 
as a female student because I have to be cautious. And I do. I have to be cautious, right? Yeah, because for sure. If if I'm even if I'm the best person in the world, right, you could come into my office mm-hmm. and if the door was closed, if anything were to transpire that made you feel uncomfortable, that could be yeah, really, that really w- serious. There could be puts, really serious consequences. Puts you on a disadvantage, right? If of course, a hundred percent. So hmm. So does it leave you then at a at a disadvantage? And is is there kind of like is our is our awareness, can our awareness of not wanting to make other people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. actually contribute to the the inequality? Hmm. Now I'm thinking inequality in that sense like you mentioned maybe going out for lunch is kind of like a non-academic setting right but it's a socializing event yeah but then also most uh, not most but a lot of times when people get some like opportunities sometimes it's not necessarily coming from an academic setting like maybe for you to build like a good relationship with like a teacher or like a professor it's it's useful right but sometimes it's not necessarily just from the lecture halls so that's what I'm thinking about like in an academic setting I didn't ever feel like I'm left out right because I feel like I have the same same opportunities same equality same chance to speak same chance to walk up to the professor but like going out for lunch and stuff I've ha- I have done it with professors, but in a group setting, never one-on-one. So I'm not sure. And I, and I would, I would kind of, I wouldn't feel as worried about going to lunch with two, mm-hmm. with, with a group. Mm-hmm. But, and to, just to kind of, for context, I, you know, as a, as a teacher, I don't like every day just go into a class here on campus and say, mm-hmm. Hey, who wants to go to lunch with me today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when I'm taking students abroad for eight weeks. Yeah. And that's a situation where now the student is outside their comfort zone. Those opportunities to kind of sit with the student alone mm-hmm. and say, hey, how's it going in your placement? Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're they're living there. That that can be really important. Right. To kind of help me understand their situation, to give them voice, to give them to, to help them be heard. You, you know, and students don't. I, I I I don't know. Are they disadvantaged? <laughs> but, just... but do you think um, female teachers have the same concern when it comes to going out? Like, do do you know of any of the cases like that, going out with like their male students? My guess is maybe not. Hmm. And and again, it's this situation because because I'm a person with privilege. I mean, you, you know, kind of as you go through the world as a as a white male especially in Asia, where there's so much privilege, you have to be mindful. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to be mindful, particularly of the kind of historical... Basically, you know, I think men get a bad rap with with cause. I don't want to say like, okay, there's, not, there's no root to this. Yeah. And so we have to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe women don't. I don't... Maybe they have it easier in that sense. And and maybe in fact you know maybe the kind of work that I do is more difficult for women because, again, it's like I am spending a lot of time in places alone mm-hmm. that some of my female colleagues may, you know, coming back to that that job that you mentioned, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of that same situation where if the job requires that you go off to a small village in Myanmar mm-hmm. by yourself. Is that something that 
you know, and I hope that I, I wish, I hope that my female colleagues would feel just as comfortable doing that as I do. Yeah. I, I think there, there's, of course, there's no right answer in this situation, but I think it just reminds me of this thing um, that gender equality versus equity is that, mm-hmm. am I saying the right? So it's like, have you guys seen that picture? It's like equality versus equity. It's like, it's not to give everyone the same opportunities, but to let people have the same accessibility. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe what education, like what people should be doing, like you said, like Myanmar opportunities and stuff. It's not to say, okay, both girls and guys can apply for this, but making sure that girls that are applying for this are going to feel safe. Okay. There is, you're, you're going to have like, um, a safe environment there. You're not going to have to worry about this and that. It makes me think about that. Can I create a safe environment? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that you're you're conscious about it is already like better than like so many other people. <laughs> okay, I mean, because another situation that came up, mm-hmm. same kind of program, right? And And I had a group of women, three women. They were traveling to their workplace Mm -hmm. and on the bus they were touched Mm -hmm. as they were going to the school where they were teaching in a foreign country Mm -hmm. and they were they were you know very upset about this they went to the school they they talked about it at the school where they were teaching and they didn't feel like it was kind of treated with adequate seriousness Mm -hmm. and then i went to the school and i talked to them for a long time and you know we probably spent three hours and i think it was very useful because clearly they just needed to be heard Mm -hmm. but there was nothing that we could do other than you know kind of help them find other arrangements other than riding the bus yeah were the people unknown they were unknown people on a public bus so under what circumstance the guys touched them they were taking public transport the women were taking public transportation in a foreign city and while they were taking this public transportation somebody touched them on a crowded bus were there many people i think it was a crowded bus and they were and so then they had to get off the bus mm-hmm. so it's a situation beyond my capacity to control yeah. other than to say to the women okay well we'll have to find you know if you're uncomfortable being on the bus then we can find alternate ways to get you back and forth to work which ended up costing more money to take a grab mm. but you know, what What do we do in that situation? Yeah, it's so hard because that depends on the perception of individuals. And the crowded bus is unavoidable that other people may touch you because this is a case that we can hardly handle. But it's still understandable that the three women feel uncomfortable. Because I'm thinking like it's regardless because it happened outside of like, let's say the academic institution, it's not really in control of them. But I mean, for for example, for you to do your part to like provide them with alternative like um, ways to travel or like take care of them in that way, it's very good. But I also think sometimes things that happen outside the institution is really like, as just as people, like whether you're a girl or a boy, you have to watch out for yourself. You have to look out for yourself, right? So it's like, yeah, maybe because I'm traveling with the school, I'm going to like expect them to look out for me. But if I were in a real life scenario, if I'm traveling on my own, who am I going to go back to? You know, that is an unpleasant experience, but I don't think it has to do with workplace discrimination, right? It's a really, it's a difficult It's heavy, because, yeah. And, and for me as a kind of like being in charge of the program, mm-hmm. sending them to that school, mm-hmm. now I have an, I mean, I have an obligation. If right, they complain, right. 
And if they don't feel comfortable being on the bus, then I, I feel like I have an obligation. Whereas, you know, to be honest, and I, and I kind of think through that same scenario, if it was my daughter, like if it was my daughter, I maybe, I don't think I would have gotten her a, the alternate transport. Mm. I kind of... <laughs> Kind yeah, I like, understand. Yeah, if it yeah. was my daughter, I mm-hmm. I, th- I kind of think I would, you know, I would take your viewpoint, which is okay. Look, you know, you got to deal with this because you can't. I don't want you to be a person who's afraid to go out in the world. Mm-hmm. I want you to be a person who can go out into the world, who can feel comfortable. And as a woman, you're going to experience this. So, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? But if it was like a company driver, then like the case would be totally different, oh, right? Because then it's like inside. Hundred percent. If it was yeah. a company driver then, you know, we would need to resolve that. Then it's like directly workplace-related discrimination or harassment. Yeah. That would be a, a totally different situation. But it also, I guess the question is, as a woman, there does exist that problem. Women are smaller in general, yeah. right? And so that just the kind of the physical imbalance puts women at a disadvantage. And so, you know, when you go into that kind of environment where, you know, people are more likely to prey upon women, when you're mm-hmm. traveling alone. How did you deal with the issue for the three women? In in that instance, we arranged for them to begin to take a car. So they would, instead of taking the public bus, they spent the rest of the, the time they took a, a grab mm. rather than the bus. So they reported the issue during the trip? They reported it immediately when they got to the school. The school, they felt like, didn't spend enough time trying to resolve the issue. Mm. In truth, it was the for the local school, they felt terrible. For sure, yeah. But they, they weren't sure how to deal with it because I think they were like, yeah, that's what happens on buses here. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And so for them, it was just like, the, what are we going to do? But the girls were much more traumatized by it. For sure, yeah. And the, they didn't feel like the school was very sensitive. Spent three hours listening to them. Resolved most of the problem, but then we did put them onto a grab so mm-hmm. they, they were just kind of doing a, you know, a grab car for the rest of the time. That was like a very fruitful conversation. Let's take a short break and come back with our second case. Welcome back to the episode. In the second part, we will talk about agenda discrimination from the men's perspective. When it comes to applying for jobs, just as women under the same conditions need to be more competitive for engineering positions, male applicants seem to have lower success rates when applying for administrative, nursing, and early childhood education positions. This reminds me of a male classmates of mine who studied early childhood education telling me about such stress. He said that the early childhood education work requires more patience and care, and the public generally believes that this is the characteristic of girls. So preschool education jobs tend to be more biased towards women. On the other hand, men who are engaged in early childhood education are often misunderstood and even labeled as feminine. What do you think, MJ? I think um, coming from a science background, I didn't really think about what men would have to do if they were in like that position. So when I imagine like a kindergarten teacher, um, like a very strong female comes in my head. Like maybe that's just like how we were programmed to think throughout all these years. But when I think about a nurse, on the other hand, it's not such a strong image that it has to be a female, you know? So I can, I definitely see how this um, 
kind of stereotypes exists. And even if as university students that we tend to think that we are very open-minded, unconsciously, we kind of follow these stereotypes as well. So from this general phenomenon, society seems to set up a gender segregation with few men or even no men by default for doing the caring jobs. But do you think this situation is getting improving nowadays? I think, for example, we would think that it's improving, but I haven't heard of any significant breakthroughs recently. I mean, on my 20 years being alive. So, But is it something that we perceive to be a problem at the same level? Because if we think about the issue of women not being allowed to be engineers, if we think about the women, you know, the issue of women being locked out of STEM, mm-hmm. we all agree that's a problem. Yeah. But if we talk about men being locked out from early childhood education or men being discriminated against in careers like nursing, do we perceive that to be a problem of the same magnitude Or maybe do we perceive that to be a problem at all? I think when it comes to the public, they definitely, like you mentioned, I think majority of the public wouldn't put as much emphasis on the male perspective, the male side, right? But then when it comes to gender equality, like you have to think about it. There is actually a person, a real person who is suffering from this type of a guy who's passionate. This is his career choice and he can't do it. And he just, he feels equally as bad as a woman who wants to be like, an engineer who can't do it, you know? So I feel like maybe from a social perspective, people don't really, like they're underrepresented maybe. But when it comes to like equality and when it comes to the conversation, we definitely have to consider them on the same level, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? Is it is it the same? Is it the same? I mean, we can say, okay, they should have the same. They should have the same equality. Mm-hmm. And... You know, but there's lots and lots of organizations out there doing work to try to open doors in STEM for women, mm-hmm. right? There's and a lot of companies might even, I know of specific companies that have CSR programs designed around bringing women into STEM. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, I haven't heard of any programs kind of trying to resolve the opposite problem mm-hmm. of, of what fields are men being locked out of. Yeah. And is it just that, you know, is it is it that, you know, childhood education is not lucrative? Yeah. Do you, that, do you, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, the, the fields that, the fields that are historically women, uh, that women dominate tend to be fields that, you know, don't get as much respect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, University education, uh, maybe men are not misrep- maybe men are not underrepresented, but early childhood education, okay, well, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. as good. Mm-hmm. So is that, you know, in the same way, it's like, okay, it's a problem if women don't become doctors. Mm-hmm. And we, we would all agree, okay, if there's not enough women doctors, that's a problem. If there's not enough male nurses, do we all agree that's a problem? I think as a society, like you mentioned, probably people don't think it's don't see it as such a big problem. But then when you think about it, like just step a bit, like take a step back and think about it. Why is it that we have to make women, make kids, little kids associate the nurturing feeling with just women? Why can't they grow up having more male teachers as well? Like 
you know what like we have to think as a society like what why do we think this way why do we think that we can we're okay we're so okay with females taking up this nurturing position and we're not concerned about well i, I don't know in a, in a sense it also just it just like reinforces toxic masculine like all of that you know? as we start to talk about those traits i wonder if part of the problem that we run into is that the traits tend to kind of start to touch into issues of sexuality Mm-hmm. So being nurturing, for example, mm-hmm. yeah, is that often as you know we associate being nurturing with um, femininity. Females, femininity. So is there a sense that I don't want my son to be uh, to be sensitive because that's gay, mm. right? And 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 do a lot of parents then begin to kind of attach um, characteristics with sexual orientation and does that lead to this kind of, you know, our parents actually discouraging boys from being nurturing? So this is the gender stereotype Mm -hmm. and it's about the cultural issues Mm -hmm. because most often we think about women would stay at home caring for children and doing all the things of the housework for earning the income from the outside. It should be the responsibility for the male, but not the women. This is a phenomenon that requires us to reflect. I think this is also the government's responsibility to encourage the company to be more open-minded, to even open the positions for women who are having the babies but wanted to go back to the workplace. But what do you? What are you guys' opinion on government mandatory like positions to be filled by female and males? Like, for example, they'll be like, okay, in every kindergarten, you have to have equal number of female and male, like, teachers. And then in as a nurse place, also, like, same equal number female nurse and male nurse. Like, what do you guys think about that? Because I feel like whenever something like this is brought up, people like to bring up the argument that, oh, then maybe they wouldn't recruit the best of the talents because they're recruiting the woman just to fill the woman position, but maybe they're not the best of the best. But as in like a corporate world, they're going to recruit the highest talents regardless of like their gender. And that's why we have more male because they tend to be better at this position than this. Like, so what do you guys think about that? Do you think having a mandatory quota to fill is something that could be useful in this discussion? I think this can be a good initiative to promote the gender equality in terms of the number of the positions filled by the male and the female in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But it can be not a one-off step. We can gradually increase in the number of the male or female in filling the positions. But if we really want to recruit the best of the best to fill in the positions, I think the main point is to consider their qualification equally, but not focus on the thing that the same number of the positions should be filled by male or female. But we're really talking about, okay, you talked about internal bias, right? And then policies. And so there's this kind of core problem. And it comes back to the first question that you asked, which was, why does it have to be this way? Why do we have to have these these perceptions that attach characteristics to gender? And I guess the answer is it it doesn't have to be that way, but it is that way, mm-hmm. right? And it is that way because people have these thoughts, right? This is what people, the people have these beliefs. So is the policy then designed, is it meant to try to prevent us from having these beliefs, right? 
and will a policy change my perspectives? If I'm if I'm biased against women, will a policy change that? In a sense, is it just a quick fix? But it's not actually like、um, a long-term way to go. Yeah, or like it's not addressing the root cause or the root issue. And and that's a good question, right? And、mm-hmm. I I mean, <laughs> because because I also think you know when we talked about the issue of like women in the workplace, and then women historically are are discriminated against because the perception is they need to take care of the children,、mm-hmm. so they need to. They they are not as good at work, right? But the reality is, I mean, is it the problem that there's this perception that that's the woman's role, and so we should discriminate against them at work? When maybe is the problem that men should be helping more <laughs> to take care of the babies,、mm-hmm. right? And if men were if men were more involved with parenting, then would that would that bias not need to exist? But also, I have another point.、Um, have you guys heard about these researchers?、Uh, research that have come out. So it's actually proven that in a company setting or like in a corporate setting,、um, the companies that have m- more balanced gender male、uh, gender ratio, like me- male to female ratio employees, as well as gender diverse, like ethnic diversity and gender diversity, these companies tend to do significant significantly better than. A company that is predominantly having the same representation in within the company, so then, then it makes me feel. It, it makes me think. Like an earlier point that you mentioned, is it all just about money? If it's beneficial for us financially to have a more diverse, like sexual or gender、uh, or ethnic, like workforce, it's good for us. We're gonna make more money. Sure, I'm gonna follow that. But if it doesn't really matter for us, like if it's better for us to just have. Female kindergarten teachers, it gets the job done. It it's good for us, good enough. Then we're not gonna take any initiative. So is it all just about money? No, because as we can see, diversity is integrated into the recruitment process、mm-hmm. nowadays in the companies like Prologies, Goldman Sachs. No matter accounting firms or law firms, companies of all size, they are welcoming people from different gender identities, different sexual orientations to apply for jobs. I think the companies are now committed to evaluating their potential equally. It doesn't the whole reason why there is CSR programs, because it's good for making money, right? So companies are not developing CSR programs because they genuinely care about society. They're developing CSR programs because that's a nice thing to market,、mm. right? And their CSR is developed to help promote their own image. Right. So it's ultimately、reputation. about making money, right?、Mm-hmm. And I think companies are—that's why they exist for the singular purpose in general. Unless it's a nonprofit, a company exists for the singular purpose of making money. Well, how about we look at it from this way? Let's say、um, a male, a male nurse in this scenario. He did get recruited into into his dream job, dream like career, and he's ready to go. But there's this case that I just talked to my nurse friend, my female nurse friend, and I asked her, "Do you think that there is a different treatment between male nurses and female nurses within the workplace?" And what she told me is that often, male female nurses are assigned to both male and female patients, but for male nurses, they are more often assigned to male nurses exclusively. 
especially when it comes to the tasks that are more invasive treatments. So now it makes me think maybe, uh, well, of course, they're predominantly, they're thinking about whether the patient is comfortable mm. with a male nurse performing something that's invasive on them. But how about, but why aren't, like, why, but, but do you think that is, like, inequality on behalf of the nurse? Do you think it's kind of not fair to the nurse to be limited to more of a male patient? The general phenomenon that we can see quite a lot of female nurses doing caring jobs. So when we have a large number of female nurses, then we have to distribute some of them to take care of the male patient. My friend told me that although she's more immune to it now, but it sometimes it does make her uncomfortable to, to perform some of the procedures on the male uh, patients, right? But also, of course, and doing the same thing for a male nurse to do it on a female patient, it will make him uncomfortable as well to a certain extent. But for the female nurse to have to be exposed to that more often, to that uncomfortable feeling more often than a male nurse being subjected to that, to me, I feel like on one hand, it's unfair to the female nurse. On the other hand, it's unfair to the male nurse because he's not get, being given the same job duties. But are they, so when you first described the inequality in terms of duty assignment, mm -hmm. it sounded to me like the reason was because the patients yeah. have this discomfort. And you could look at that from the perspective of the nurse and say, okay, well, the female nurses have to do more work now. But doesn't that also limit for the male nurse, their professional viability. Their are experiences, they, right? Yeah, how much and, they and get to learn. How much, yeah, and, and how employable they are. Mm -hmm. Because if, if I run a hospital now, if men make half of my patients feel uncomfortable, yeah, then a, a male nurse is less useful than a female nurse. Yeah. And, and must be... Like if I'm going to make a decision based entirely then upon how can I deploy that person, then I would likely discriminate against a male nurse, a male nurse. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's all a very interesting kind of conversation to have. And it's, it's really, I think it's been like really great to get different perspectives as an institution as a company they have to ensure that there is a kind of safe space for people to be able to talk about these things without having to worry oh how is this going to affect my job long-term perspectives it's important to cultivate people especially from their very young from the family education and from the school's education in a sense it sounds cliche but everything starts from you <laughs> It's you as an individual making an effort to be mindful, to do research, to do your part in making people comfortable. And also follow us on our social media to keep the conversation going. Let us know what you think about this episode in the comments. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye.